0: Hello and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm your host, Lockie Bradford, and on today's episode, we have jiu-jitsu master, musician, drummer, all-round cool dude, Brad Cora. Uh, and I've got to say, this is one of the better chats we've had this year so far. We dive deep on lots of different topics. This guy plays to thousands and thousands at night. And then his day job's going to cave people's head in, uh, doing some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So um, he's a man of many talents. This is an insane chat. Uh, bring your pad and pen. This is a belter.
1: Brad, you legend. Thank you so much for jumping on and chatting with us today on the Funny Business Podcast. For those at home listening, tell us, who are you and what do you do? Uh,
2: hi, I'm Brad Cora. Um, I play drums for the band Kiwi Band um, LAB and... Uh, do a bit of brazilian jiu-jitsu and a bit of
0: gaming on the outside hustle mate i was just stalking your instagram and the show looked enormous in melbourne was that last night or the night before or whatever but just the, the australian shows what like well i suppose we'll get into what's it like back playing in front of people and stuff but it looked enormous it looked grouse
2: yeah it was um i mean to play to play an Aussie and get numbers like that, um, even though there was a lot of expat Kiwis, um, our goal was to kind of build build off that and try and win the the Aussie crowd over. So um, I mean, you couldn't find a better an opportunity to kind of um to to get a head start to 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 meet that goal. But um yeah, man, guys went back to the hotel. We were like Oh, I think I'm done. We've won all our
0: goals, ready to tip over and die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is it like when you, when you have new material, when you go tackle a new country or a new market? Is there always like that goal in mind of like, uh, you know, like we're trying to get the what we're creating across in a certain way? Like every sort of country is different. Is there new goals and challenges when you go to uh, new countries?
2: Yeah, I've, I've kind of been in this industry going on nearly 20 years. So I was in another band and I kind of we toured the world for like 10 years straight. And it was kind of like um, the best way to approach it is in the music industry is to kind of support a really well-known act as opposed to like you see some guys. They'll go overseas, they'll do like 50 to 100 shows, come back absolutely broke and broken souls. and so. Um, I think the formula with lab is like we've just cut all the fat off the steak and um, just got to the red meat so yeah it's about those eliminating um a lot of obstacles to get from point a to point b and so because of that um we're finding our the process for the band has just gone just through the roof financially as well so um Yeah,
1: it's it's a tricky thing, hey. Like we we dipped our toes in last like last year. We were um, doing some stuff with Unified Music Group here from a podcast perspective. And I'm Lock's massive music fan. I was new to the music industry, so understanding and seeing how things work. But one of the things I did find really interesting is that people who might have spent a career doing different things or building this this stuff up, like you mentioned, the support acts and stuff. It's actually not. uh, There's there's some real issues about creating like sustainable futures versus doing something that because you love it and you're good at it what what are, what are your thoughts on you've been there for 20 years how, how do you how do you see it all play out
2: yeah and, and in saying that this said i find a lot of acts uh um uh the flavor of the day and it comes down to like oh I because mean, i produce and write uh the songs you've kind of got to sit outside of yourself and go will this product still stand um in 20 to 30 years, you know, you've you've got to sit outside yourself or, and that's one thing I learned from the Kiwi band, Fat Freddy's Drop, Moo. He said, as long as you keep the integrity of your sound um, and, and and there's that wholesomeness, um, the music will just keep going. So to make a living out of it, long story short, um, out of music for a long period, You've, sometimes it's better to have kind of like slow burning music or slow burning albums where they don't really like you, you I, I feel like a good music is music you could just have a conversation and it's playing in the background and you can kind of just it's just subconsciously there and that's to me is a, a, a good good song good you know, you know, when you just hear stuff in the background, that's why people keep going back to the 80s and 70s and 90s. You hear Alice in Chains or something and you, just, you can just talk. And then you've got that hype music, which, you know, all the young kids get into and it's like, yeah, here today, gone tomorrow. So you, as a producer and a songwriter, um, I always try and sit outside of myself and go, yeah, would I listen to this in 20 years? And then you start getting publishing and royalties back. Um, so you can have that, which is passive income. Obviously we make a huge uh, chunk uh, out of our live shows. Um, But um, even with the live shows, you've got to, you can't overdo gigs. You've got to sometimes go to festivals, um, constantly involve your set, change your sound. You're so much involved. Um, I hope I answered the question, but
0: oh right mate reinventing i think it's a, a, it's a good uh thing you touched on there because I, i've been watching a lot of docos lately on youtube and on like people and and it's got the constant reinvention of of themselves and and you know keeping things like you said integral integrity and all that sort of stuff but it's about reinventing and doing new th- like you can't sort of stay the same can you
2: Exactly. Um, even with the live live gigs, we have like a full orchestra usually with our shows. We have a uh, orchestra. We have brass section. Um, it's pretty epic, um, and yeah. But then I, I was thinking, hey, maybe we drop some some of these guys, and maybe we get a DJ, and you know, you just if it's it just keeps things fresh too, you know, and, and people. Uh, and, and you still have that, you still got to have that common thread in your sound, um, and because it all comes down to, like, um, don't get me wrong, you love music, but you put so much time into it, you have to have a kind of financial kickback out of this too. And yeah, I,
1: think, I, I guess from from hearing what you're saying, like, it, it's music, uh, as the conversation, but is music a product or is music art? I feel like is if you want to make a career out of it and pay your bills and create the lifestyle and give you and your family options that we want to do, then it needs to be a product. Is that is that the you point
2: you've got to have it's it's I would say it's 80% business and 20% music. I would almost sometimes say 90% business. It you've got to have a strong um management team. Um you've got to have Good accountants. I mean, just to run one of our festival uh, shows, stadium shows in the NZ, we hire 500 people just for the one oh, show. <laughs> yeah. And the amount of money, I, I would say, involved just to uh, get a show to mean our know, overheads is phenomenal figures. So that, you know, that's just an idea of how big the machine can get. But then, yeah. It's it's a long process, yeah.
0: What about the roles you play, man? Like putting together a show and like the responsibilities. I'm sure you got to create the art, you got to put on a good show, but you also need to make sure that you sell tickets and you do all that sort of stuff. Is it important to delegate different areas to people that you're not responsible for that? Like I need to be focused on this area.
2: Yeah, I I I, I think the real good thing is in regards to management team. I I I like to have a good long relationship with the people in the team. I didn't want a team. I wanted a family. And um, I think that was where the power that the 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 growth of of this product you could call it happened. Um, I've got a fantastic management team, unbelievable, um, and they're always um, everything's on the table, and I think that's really important. Um, yeah. It's, it's it really does come down to if you don't have a good management team lawyers, accountants and if you're not constantly doing this administration stuff you know, how long will it last It's it's um, and, and the formula and the model will apply to pretty much anything, any business you know, you, you just hire the guys that are the best in that department I oversee the whole thing and call the shots at the end of the day um, but you know, there are a lot of things I'm not good at, like answering my phone, (laughs) but uh, they know that, so they're like, hey, we kind of get the gist of how Brett likes things to work, and then I do it in the background, they give me a call, hey, we've done this, and I'm like, yep, 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 no, no, and then I can focus what I'm, my job, my role is producing, making a live set, making the band feel the the chemistry, because I think it's important when you deliver a live product set that you only get one chance. And if you, if it's not, if it's not, it's not good on the first one, um, you know, first impressions last. It's that's, yeah, it's an understatement. So, so
0: that, yeah. So it's about the high performance element of like, Hey, we're on here. Like this is, this is like this is because people come and that could be the first time they come across you. They become this massive fan and you're putting yourself out there. You know, it's an opportunity for people to see what you're about.
2: Yeah. You're always going to have your diehard fans and, 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 but, it's, it's, you, you're still, you, you're trying to reach to the masses, so um, I, I, yeah, from a producer and a, an a MD for live shows, it's so much involved, like, right down to the lighting, I mean, we could spend nearly 300k just on the lighting for one show, you know, it's, it's that massive, because, you know, I like the props to move at a certain time, you've got to create this emotion, and this journey on the show as well, it's not just you just playing songs, it's creating this journey and this emotion from beginning to end. Imagine trying to do that with like 16 people on stage to without it look like it's rehearsed. And so, when we do rehearse, I try and get this chemistry, this magic, this essence um, in, the, in the shows. This is so hard sometimes, it just goes pear shaped, but uh, yeah, when it's magic, it's like. Woof,
1: when you're planning those, planning them out, like you're visualizing these things in your head. i like, I want it to look like this. And like, they're not like little moving Lego parts. You know what I mean? Like 300K lights to set up part of the show, which is plays this component of the curated experience throughout the show. Like, do you draw pictures? Are you seeing it in your head? Like, how, did, yeah. how does it work?
2: I was really lucky. My dad, uh, there was, I had four brothers and we started planning bars um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday from 8 p.m. till 12 at night. From the age of seven, we did that for 17 years because we were quite poor. So the only way we could eat was um, do these gigs at like, you know, the, the um, RSAs back in NZ and weddings and pubs. So my dad subconsciously gave us, taught us the art of um, creating a journey in a four-hour set and and how, how to keep a crowd uh, in the palm of your hands, he was a master. He was a blues man and jazz man, but he was a master at capturing. And he never really, he never taught us, told us this. He just knew, and the crowd wasn't feeling it. He would just say, let's pick it up a couple of beats. You know, he just knew how to get the essence out of the, the, the gig. they terrible songs, you know, some of them, all covers and stuff. But from that, from all those years, from the age of seven, I understood what it meant to make someone to come to a show and feel a certain way. So um, yeah, very fortunate.
0: How important is the feedback too? Like you mentioned mentioning that you're, you old man and you're going up and you're just getting that feedback, right, right on the spot and making up on the spot is about having the confidence of like, all right, let's do this. Let's take, let's take control. Let's do it. Like yeah.
2: This. Yeah. Dad would be like, Hey, hey, we'll double up on the chorus. He knew how to, if the crowd was feeling it, he'd double up on the chorus. And I do that. So I have two microphones with our LAB shows. One's an EMD mic. we only the bank in here. And sometimes it just gets really abusive. Not abusive. i was just, <laughs> just, just like, fuck, that fucking, you
0: know, they're, they're,
2: they're, double up on the chorus. Huh? And so everyone doubles up. And then I'll be like, Joel, Joel, you need to stay off your heels. You know, um, shoulders back, shoulders back. Nice, nah, smile, nice, nah, smile. Hit the lip, hit the lip crowd on the left watch your attention and then he'll walk to the left so everyone's got in ears and i'm just playing the drums trying to sing and i'm md at the same time it can be what and then the lighting i could be yeah telling the go, guy hey we need to drop down light on joel a bit more brighter hit the crowd with the spotlights two one go poof and i'm still playing you know so no yeah right. uh,
0: yeah what so the that, fuck that's yeah. crazy do you, are there many other people like that like do you did do- um just- uh, a lot yeah. of
2: gospel gospel keyboardists do the same thing. They yeah. they they'll pick up like uh in the verses, I like the um the, the music to slow down to sit behind, and then on the choruses I like the band or the bass and drums to kind of sit just ahead of the band and it gives this perception where you get this kind of ear candy feel, which gives you this kind of different type of um feeling as an as a listener. Yeah, it's all these little nuances that I picked up from my dad.
0: Oh, I love this people who who think so deeply about an experience and what, what, what it could, how it impacts people. You know what I mean? The power of music, you know, you come to a show and that much thought that goes into it, the intention, you know what I mean? It's not, not just like, oh, let's just wing it and see what happens. It's like, no, let's create the best time we can.
2: Yeah, and we and we do things where our lighting guy has everything gritted out, and he's like, "Okay, i have got the list, we've got this massive team of guys on the stage, and it all." And then in the blink of an eye, I I always say, "Just stay ready," because I'll just change a song like that, and everyone's just like <sighs> trying to get all yeah. the lighting in place. But that's just the way I just run the ship. It's not I don't really just do the you know, okay, here's the start, here's the end. It's it's an emotion, and I. I if you can keep that emotion I'll just run with it and unfortunately everyone's just got to work 10 times harder cuz the set flips so yeah you can sometimes see the side of the stage and everyone's just like, <laughs> sweating because they're stressing out but um, that's it's it's yeah that's how I like to see a show anyway
1: you must have had some crazy experiences you mentioned like obviously playing around and doing the things with with your old man and your brothers but then moving in as making that a career and traveling the world what are some memorable moments you got memorable shows or things that have fucked up and gone wrong or yeah. crazy times? Like take us back.
2: Yeah. I, I feel like I do love playing the massive stadiums and don't get me wrong, right, It's just like, you know, but there's something about playing at a small pub that I really miss. And it's this this. This frequency where you've just got 50 people and you're just grimy. I, I don't know if you've gone to a Faith No More concert, but once they played to like 200 people, and the crowd it was heaving, it was like this intensity, this chemistry that you just you can't buy. You couldn't buy And That's I'm, I'm old school. I'm, I'm a 90s, you know, into my grunge, my metal kind of um, 90s, 80s guys. So that that journey of what those guys did is really rubbed off on me. Like, um, even though we play soul music, I still take a lot of essence from metal and, and rock and, um, yeah, indie music. I listen to everything, electronic, you name it, drum and bass, Yes.
0: Is it the excitement? It's the excitement and the energy. Like, you you know, what you can tell when you're at a good show, even from a punter's point of view, when you're in there and you're going, Oh, there's something special. Like, can't believe we're seeing this band here and they're playing here. And oh, it's crazy. Man. Like, I hope they play this. I hope they play that. And everyone's sort of like, Let's see it. We're here for a good time. Like, yeah. that just, as, as an artist being on the stage, you can see that. And you, you put, you're put like, you, you, Fuck, this is going, you know?
2: Yeah. It, and sometimes you see some up and coming art, artists, in, and some of them are so used to their bedroom they play bedroom music and they go on stage and they just look like dicks yeah. you know? just, yeah. just <laughs> lights are yeah. on no one's home but then you got these like young kids like there's a band called silver chair and I was there were young kids and I do and I was like oh my gosh like there's this like yeah like I'm getting chills about it but you know yeah. and I haven't felt that with music in a long time.
0: Oh, mate, we had uh, John and Tom from She Had on the pod uh, last year and talk about presence and people like he just, it's like he grabs the audience by the scruff of the neck and goes, come on, you, you're sort of coming with me. And that—that that is sort of the brute force of that, that like, I don't know, like another one for Grinspoon, Phil Jamison, for example, like, yeah. you know, you see him and you go, this guy's crazy. Like, that's what you want when you go to a show, isn't it? It's that excitement. It's that like, oh my God. Yeah, I felt like
2: when I was going to the concerts and festivals, it's just everything felt like they did push play and it was backing track and at yeah. their dances and I was like, what's happened? Like, you know, what, mm. what's happened? And you said, why, why Why? am I not, it looks good, but why am I not feeling good? You know, and, um, mm. I try and take a lot of those kind of old school pill jam, that feeling. And I think that's what kind of made us stand out in New Zealand, uh, apart from the other." bands that played the same style we had this bit of grimy grittiness that um because we came from that old school era um yeah which yeah
0: how how important is that community then like you mentioned like in the market where do you fit where do you sit in front of other bands and that is that something that you're, you're looking at in terms of the bands around you with the similar sounds and what they're sort of going towards and is this a feel like a scene
2: yeah, so I I knew at the time when Lab started that everyone's going for the uns uns, you know the German uns uns uns, and there was a missing essence of music and I felt like there was no one was playing the guitar anymore or there was no more soul or conviction And when the lyrics were sung everything felt little little tune. and then funny story, um, Joel Shapolt, who's the lead singer I was right into my studio, I'd left my band, I was a bit down in a dumps and I wrote this song and I was like man I really need a singer and then the TV went on and there's a TV show called the Good Morning Show and ends dead and I heard this guy singing this blue song in that broken hand and he was like,
1: I've got the loom.
2: And I was like, man, this American TV? I turned around, as this white ginger. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I went to message to find out who it was. We were actually friends on Facebook. I didn't know you. Must, we must have added each other. I was like, hey, man. Um, played it down. Hey, do you mind doing the singing on those vocals? I've seen the, the song. You, give you the melody. He sung it. He sent it back two days later. I pushed play, and my my partner was like, "I used to be, hey babe, I got the song." And she's like, "That's good in the kitchen." And I pushed play, and he sung, and I just went, "Oh my gosh, this kid's just—he's you know—just blew my mind." And she's first time ever. She kind of came out of the kitchen, and she was like, "Who's that?" I said, "Oh, finally," you know. You got it, yeah. Yeah, and then restless history, and then I showed him the ropes of you know how your presence on stage because he just came out of jazz school. Um, he's toured around America playing with muddy waters in them when he was a little kid. What? So he's, yeah, yeah, he's just you got to hear Joel play um, jazz and blues like unbelievable. But he's not a um, he he is a jazzman. He is a bluesman. And I was like, man, when you got a white, redhead kid that with a voice like that, that can sight do I say, I'm going to be so rich. <laughs> <I was> thinking, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: like, well, you would be, wouldn't you? You're looking at that and going, that is crazy. Like, you you had that pop yeah. in your head, didn't you? Like, talented, like, just on another yeah. level. And there was a
2: lane in the industry where no one had that. Mm. Everyone was going for heavy reggae. Or- heavy uns uns and there was this kind of lane and I think as as a product and as a business model that was a super winning formula and it just went from literally in two three years we went from playing to 50 to yeah 20 to 30 0 yeah what but you, I knew I knew you know yeah did you have a bright like a moment
1: that was like did you have like a you got your break or was there like an opportunity or a a, a situation that you can distinctly remember where it went like something happened overnight or was it drawn out of doing the work and put the work in?
2: Yeah, it was when we got to, um, we did two years, two albums and we're going to get into our third album and I I come up, I was in, we're doing this song called In The Air and it needed a bass line. I was in the toilet and I came out, was, dum, 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 dum. and I was like, what makes me feel good sometimes? And I was like, that old school kind of Sam Cooke kind of, you know, it's got it's, it's, it's yeah. And then In The Air was the one that was like, it's weird because we overproduced some of these songs and we spent like months on it. And In The Air, we literally just went record 12th first take and it was our biggest site so yeah it, it changed our lives financially too
0: does that fuck with your head creatively then when you're going <laughs> yeah. uh, I, just, I just spent all this time on this and maybe if i just give fucks and just put it out there and just see what happens that seems to be the magic
2: yeah it, it, it doesn't even actually have a um, chorus it's the yeah, only, yeah. There's no chorus. It's just verses. It's weird. So I was like, oh yeah, this song'd be alright. And then when radio, and then management rang up. It's like, man, you guys are selling out arenas like no man's land. And yeah, that's when our lives changed.
0: Are and you then- con- are you constantly chasing that high of that of that thing where you're like, fuck, like we need to create another moment like this on what that how that sort of. Connected? we had
2: a we had a discussion about that and that's the downfall I find with a lot of artists they try and outdo that, that song or they try and change they get better production they try and do something and I thought yeah man let's just let's do albums that are kind of almost slow burners you know that they don't have to be hits that, something that you can just play in the background like I said before and, and I, I truly do believe slow burning music you have to be brave you have to be very patient but financially long term it just just trickles in and that, and that's that's really important you see some artists they just blow up and then the next album they've got featuring Snoop doggy dog or Fair, you know and it gets a little bit oh, you know what i mean it's mm. sometimes keeping that integrity again and, and that wholesomeness you 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 it's so important
1: what yeah. about goal setting Like okay, now like you, you hit these moments and you have these achievements and you're in a different financial position you got success you got you can sell at arenas like it's about like talk about the music part but what about you guys like personally going what do we want to achieve like i feel like that's one of those things like what happens once you've ticked some of the goals that you would have originally had how do you reset and go are we still what, what are we motivated by
2: yeah, it's we've all got childhood goals, especially with festivals. Our, our one we always wanted to do is Byron um, Blues Fest, which we're playing next this Friday. Um, and the boys, you know, it's one of those moments where you could just say, "Okay, tick the box." I could just mow lawns for the rest of my life. You know, it's kind of like it's. And and there are three members my my younger brothers in the band as well, and he's got immense um, experience. It's it's. It's not about like doing a lot of things or a lot of shows. It's just about having magic moments now. So we're happy to do five big shows or six shows or small shows, but we're trying to make those shows like, um, it's that's our goal, you know, like um, it's not like hit, we need a hit, we need a hit, which I find with a lot of artists. It's so, it's so easy and I think social media does that to a lot of artists. We have had some back at home where they've become very successful and then they just jump on the next thing that's like the hype and they change who they actually were. You know when you you get there with an artist and you're like yeah, and it's like oh man but I really
0: like their kind of gritty or their griminess and now it's kind of completely gone. I like you for what you put out there and the like what do you stand for that's what like you know and your brain like I seem to follow mu- uh, musicians and people who go to different projects just because to see what other sounds and, and uh, musical stuff that they create and like yeah. I'm a fan of all the different styles you know what I mean it's just like an, a different outlet for, for doing all that sort of stuff what about managing creative projects like you mentioned you do yeah. singer songwriting stuff you're producing you do all the lights like where do you, how do you learn? Is it learning on the job or are you YouTube and shit to, to expand your learning in, in sort of what you're doing or like, I feel yeah. like you've got a crazy life, bro.
2: Yeah. It started from the age of seven. My, my two brothers went to theater and ballet also. So my older brother, who was a huge inspiration when we were touring the world with our other band, he'd be like, you know, Brad, sometimes playing loud and playing and playing strong for the crowd. Isn't the best thing. So I've learned that pulling back. So if the you know pulling back because you, the human ear can only handle like frequencies for so long. So I've learned all these techniques. YouTube. I was just lucky. My dad, you know, he's, he was gigging nearly six, seven days a week, and even though he was only playing to like twenty people, he was a master of his craft. And um, and my four bro- my three brothers and I were just lucky to grab all of that he he wouldn't wouldn't even say anything to us really we just grew up thinking this is how you make
0: people feel um yeah and And, managing that with like all the other stuff so if you're producing and doing the lights and stuff is do you think that gives you more time because that comes naturally to you where when you're on the stage like you don't really have to think too much that's just you in flow kind of thing
2: yeah yeah it's just i and i grew up on iron maiden Concerts, videos, VHS, Ingvay Mounds, things, Steve I, you know, like big rock concerts. Mm. So, and they, there was all that dynamic of sometimes they go to an acoustic. So you have these white lights. And yeah, it's, it's, I I couldn't really explain it. It was just life threw me that kind of curveball. And I was, I knew how to kind of, I knew the formula. And I, everything's on the fly. Mm. Every show we do with LABs on the fly, and everyone's always ready. It's could you not? The sound guy, they're just all like, What's Brett gonna do? That everyone's freaking out. They're like, So this is definitely the set, and I'm like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, It's not the set, okay? We'll, we'll just go. <laughs> Everyone starts panicking, yeah, they start panicking, but I think that keeps that
0: electricity up too, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, what, what, you, you, here you go, Rob. You go, you go. No, nah, I was going to say, you also kick people's heads in. You're a master of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. How, 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 do you, how do you get involved in that? And where did that start?
1: Where did the passion for Brazilian and, and jiu-jitsu And who do you start? think you could, if you had to take one of us, who do you think you could take first? Oh, man, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll be tapping. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be nice. Don't be nice. <laughs> Please.
2: So how did it all start? Oh, my, my brothers and you know, I did kickboxing from the age of seven as well. And, and my mum's brothers were all um, kickboxers and they used to compete. And um, so we did, yeah, mutai and, and, and kokushin for years. And then I walked away, went surfing. And then I've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for 18 years and teaching for about 16. So I've been a black belt for about six, seven years. And then um, I think, yeah. And then, yeah, I just built a really awesome network, I was traveling the world so I got to train with a lot of really top level guys and because of the music they tended to levitate so I built this brilliant network with just world class fighters so um, yeah it's just been mad but the same thing as my dad and mum kind of gave us those tools years ago and my brothers and I have just utilized what tools we were taught and put it and it works in our favor so that's how i got into the martial arts and then uh, i run my own uh, mixed martial arts gym uh, in in the fakatani my hometown so i teach there six days a week and then um, uh, yeah so i teach 6 a.m till 11 then i have a break and then i teach 5 till 7 or 8 at night so you just
1: love it you love it
2: yeah yeah and it's i don't even do it for five i don't not saying i don't need the money i just love teaching martial arts so um i teach brazilian jiu-jitsu cage fighting and mutai kickboxing and and boxing as well so yeah been teaching for years though
1: to me hearing this stuff there's like i get you like oh you got you learned these skills from your old man early doors but there's a level of ambition like you've gone from from a music side of thing it's not like i am i'm aiming to be mediocre it's not like with your training side of things hey i'm happy at being a white belt you know you're a black belt you train you coach like what is it about the drive and stuff that you set you is do you like challenges? Is it uh, the one life? Fuck it. What do you mean? What else is there to do? Yeah. Like, what, what is it behind that?
2: Yeah. It's, it's my father. I have to say my dad, he used to run two hours a day, every day. And he just run, he just run and run. And then he was just very selfish, um, but super focused. And um, I think we all caught his DNA. Um, so, when I have a goal, that's it, man. I'll put six to eight hours in a day. Yeah, so, um, yeah, if I was going to compete again, oh, I wouldn't do anything less than six to eight hours. I would just just train, train, train. It's just, I think it's just part of the family's DNA or of that work ethic. And uh, we don't run on the clock like a nine to five. We don't think nine to five. We, it's, you just stop when it's done. Yeah, so if it takes 20 hours, it takes 20 hours. And that's just how we run. My whole family like that. Even in studio, sometimes, um, pretty much all the time, we'll record nine in the morning. Clock will go all the way around to two or three in the morning. And that's just the normal day in the studio for me. Yeah. And the boys would just come in one at a time, lay their tracks, and then all be at about 11. And then myself and our bass player, Ara, will start editing, taking all the, picking the best tracks from kind of 11 p.m. till three in the morning get up at six, do it, go for a run or something and then back into it. I just have little nana naps during the day, you know, 10 minute say. naps.
0: Yeah. Like what about when you have, do you ever have like creative block or anything like that or writer's block where you're just like, it, you're struggling for inspiration or you might be hearing so much and you're so involved and do you need to step out sometimes to plug back in with some new ideas and stuff like that? Um, I reckon most people
2: would, but oh man, it's, I, I get to the point where I've, I've become very, very sick, very sick. Um, I can't turn the switch off. It's,
0: yeah, I'll just go to, yeah, to take up If you're, to come, to if be you're not there, there, you'll be thinking about it anyway. You know, if you're not yeah. there, you'll be there, you'll be thinking about it, so you might as well just be there doing it.
2: Yeah, and then I go home and I shut the curtains. I don't do drugs too, so it's just that, just the way our dad's kind of wired us, and then I'll go home, I'll be completely exhausted yeah can barely even walk yeah i've walked out with like um yeah sick man out of studio yeah won't see the sun for like six days i'll just stay behind the desk it just yeah
0: it is yeah. it is that's that but i think it's a good lesson like if you want to get something done you have to put in the work you know like i feel like when in our world rob too you know we're building something and sometimes you forget to eat if you get to sleep and it's like geez you have to put these things in and, and put these routines and habits in where you've got to still stay healthy you know what i mean is there anything that you implemented by the way like you mentioned having little nana naps and stuff like that
2: yeah i i had, we had a really bad situation my family i put them uh the gym was struggling we were, it was struggling there was at yeah, the gyms opening up their 45s and stuff and i was only renting and i was renting renting at the building. So I was paying double rent, double powers. We lost our house. We got kicked out. We had to live in a little shed, which was like six meters by eight. And I had two kids um, and my partner. So we had the bed, which was just behind like where I am. And I hit my studio here. We lost everything. I was like in debt to tax. It was a real bad situation about five years ago. And so I just wrote, I was like, I'm going to go back to music. I know uh, this is what I'm good at. And um, I, I used to wake up the kids, so I said, put two towels over the keyboard so you can hear. And I would just write till five in the morning for two years, three years, no money, no pay. Um, and I did that. And then, and I was kind of, at the same time, I was trying to teach Joel how to become a stage man at the same time. And there was, I was getting a lot of, um, hate and kickback because i was in another band that's predominantly mouldy, and there was this ginger boy so that my circle kind of like oh you know i just knew man this kid but Mm. there was no money for two three years we were like living on noodles we're broke and then yeah just our lives it just changed like my family will never have to work again almost you know it's our it's lives have completely but that I love that I'm I, I am addicted to challenge like I love kind of being right at the bottom of the pit it's, it, it's one of those that's when I shine I reckon it's when you've lost everything it's just like right now let's go you know I like it I've
0: got nothing so, to lose. Let's like dive into it. Let's go 100 Yeah. Let's get
2: it
0: done. Yeah.
1: <sighs> yeah. So, yeah. Hey, our, our, our sponsor of the show, Heaps Normal, non alcoholic beer. Question we ask all our guests is what's your version of Heaps Normal? What's the thing that you turn to when you're looking to get some energy back in your life? Uh,
2: martial arts. Absolutely. So, I, yeah, I brought a commercial property um, for, and put the gym in there and where the band was going to buy other stuff like we would be doing property as well so um and then they were like oh and then the management said kind of said you know oh maybe you should focus more on the music and then the bass player said if we don't give this guy his zen we're not going to get the product that we want and so martial arts when i go on the mats and i'm getting choked up I just, I just feel complete, as odd as it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> you choked out, you feel yeah. complete. That's crazy. When I, when I wake up from being choked out, I'm like, uh, uh, I'm ready to write some music. See you guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I love the fact that the understanding of like, especially long-term visions and goals, like life happens, you know, like you choosing a career in music and that you've got to respect that, you know, you have other interests and you, you've got other shit. In your life that you need to, go, you know, put some focus and some energy towards. So, how important is that? Like having that, all everyone on the same page, understanding everyone needs space. You know.
2: Yeah, and, and the whole band's like that. Um, Joel's Joel loves running up mountains. Um, our bass player loves going out on the waka armor, and he'll do like ten kilometer pedals. Um, everyone does, you know. Miharu, he he loves his, his um he loves his music, jazz school, and we just let everyone do their thing. But that's we all know what each other's zen is and we respect that, and it just brings life. Because could you imagine doing something, and you are just in each other's face, you know? Yeah, it starts to crack, and um that's what happened i felt with the last man i was in everyone was just like but we have to be together we have to and it's just like man this is worse than marriage nothing wrong with marriage but you know
0: yeah well everyone you need to be happy to to do good stuff if you're not happy you, to the headspace, you can't do it can you it's, yeah, it's just absolutely. like it
1: doesn't make sense uh, let's talk some some music that you liked. Great. You talked about doing some covers with the old man that were pretty shit songs. What was some of the stuff that you're really into? Locks a big, as you mentioned before, he loves his music. What were some of the bands, albums? Let's go through them.
2: Uh, man, I, you may not have heard of Mr. and um, That's really yes. Faith No More, before Faith No More. Um, I love orchestral. I love um, classic jazz, classic country, um, rock. I'm a middle head. Um but Grace Jones, I don't know if you guys have heard of Grace Jones, she's yeah, Jamaican. Um, I love old school dub. It's it's so diverse. The music it, my inspirations are so diverse. I play it at parties and some people are like, man, this guy's weird. But um I think It's not really the music; it's that feeling of that of that artist. I try and it's that that's and um and I and I I I could imagine a lot of other producers would listen to music that just no one gets into, but I feel like producers are kind of, I would say I'm good, but I just they they take a lot of they have a lot more tools. They've they've listened to such a wide variety; they can kind of take you know little pieces here and there, where if you get uh, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, I,
0: was, I was listening to a Jack White. who's done the Zane Lowe thing and he spoke, spoke about like adopting new. So he can see in his head now after all the experience of like, Oh, a surfer Billy sort of guitar lead in a hip hoppy sort of thing would be something different and new. I could see how that would work in the market. You know, like that's, that's how his brain would work. And when his new products, like his new album or whatever, it's like, I know if I can, I've got all the different tools in the shed from years and years ago that I can rehash and do things in unfamiliar ways and keep things interesting.
2: Yeah, like even when I explain things to artists and that, or um, or to the band, um, when I'm bored, I want something out of them in the studio, I kind of say, I kind of want to like I I, I tell them how I'm feeling. I'm like, I kind of want, I want I want you to like like we're walking down this really gritty wall, um, Boston, New York, and I want that feeling when you when you're playing the guitar, and they kind of start to they are kind of completely lost of what I'm saying, but then I break it down more and more, and then I like, I get the emotion. I get yeah. that feeling and that's how I listen to music as well. It's got to put me in a state and I'm like, Oh wow, this is magic. Oh, and then I start writing stories in my head about this song, my perception of what that song meant to me as opposed to them. It's, it's hey, a but... deeper philosophical thing. Yeah. For me, oh, Love that.
1: Hey, before we let you go, you're rocking the gaming headset. You like, <laughs> you like the gaming. Are you any good? What do you play and why is it an outlet for you? Oh man, uh,
2: Fortnite, fortnight. I am guilty. I am guilty as charged. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'm a gamer. I collect um, coin-operating machines. You know, arcade machines. So, yeah, I've got a. I've, I've built a um, arcade area downstairs. What's your
1: favorite old-school game? Miss Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Country. What, what oh uh, yeah,
2: man, Street Fighter Two. yeah. Oh. yeah.
1: Yes.
2: I am the greatest in New Zealand. Ah no, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) But I hate losing. I really hate losing. Don't talk about
0: losing. Anyway. So so games, so games, are you heavily involved in like the Twitch community and all that sort of stuff? Do you talk to people online and stuff like that?
2: A little bit. I I was kind of going down that road where I was going to be a streamer. Oh, what a dreamer. (laughs) Well like a dreamer. But yeah. (laughs) Music took over, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So
0: what's, what's next for you? What's for the rest of the year? What's going on?
2: Um, I'm just renovating um, uh, real boring stuff. I've brought, brought a few commercial properties and stuff. So I've just been renovating those and just doing up the house. Missus just wants the, the pool room, the pool house, uh, like a pavilion over the pool and stuff. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> Jeez. can we just buy a spa bath or something?
0: <laughs> Get you on the tools, mate. Get the tool belt out. There you go. <laughs> <are. Yeah. laughs> oh, well, crazy. thank you so
1: much for uh, jumping on and letting us pick your brain. It's been unreal to chat. And I feel like there's uh, lots of words of wisdom in this that a lot of people can take out regardless of what industry and what they do for a living. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Brad Cora, got to say, one of the coolest dudes we've had on the pod so far. I reckon just uh, all the stuff that he does, uh, how he balances it all, and just what a creative. Anyway, if you like the Funny Business Podcast, we drop episodes every day. So tune in, subscribe, do the right thing.
1: This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast.